Our text tonight is coming from this 28th chapter. It's a passage of scripture that I know everybody is really familiar with because it is what we call one of those passages that we call the Great Commission. The Great Commission that is given to His church. In verse 16, this is what it says. And the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And I want to remind you that at this point in the Scriptures, that is His church. That is His church. The church was established during the earthly ministry of our Lord. There are those who teach that the church was established on the day of Pentecost. The church was already in existence on the day of Pentecost. So this is His church. Uh, that is assembled here. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. What an awesome statement that is. Our Lord and Savior has all power. There is no limit to his power. And here's what he says in verse 19. Go ye therefore, and that word therefore is there because of what has done been said. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And so therefore, here is your commission. And you go in my name, and you follow my teaching and my directions. And he says, go ye therefore, and teach all nations. In other places in the scripture, it says to preach the gospel to every creature, and so everybody, every creature, that is the commission that is given, you say, but you know, God's not saving everybody. Well, that's true. The Lord never intended to save everybody. Had He intended to save everybody, guess what? He would have saved everybody because He's a sovereign God and He's absolutely sovereign, but He did not intend to save everybody. We might wish that He did. We might hope that He will. And we may pray for that. But that was not God's purpose. And the Bible reveals that. And He says to teach them. And baptizing them. This is assuming when they respond. And they confess their faith in the Lord. That they are to be baptized. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Ghost. Then He says this. Following that, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And so, that is the duty of the church for all that are saved and baptized. They are to be taught. And, uh, of course, I I wanted to mention something. I will mention that right now while I'm thinking about this. You know how I am. But Brother Charlie Young has expressed desire, praise God, to learn more about doctrine and uh, the things that we ought to learn. And we had a discussion and I said, well, I, I think that's an honorable and noble thing that you have expressed. And I will do whatever I can. And um, I told him I would look for maybe some a good sound school that offers correspondence courses where he could work on that. 
and I, I never found anything that I would take advantage of, but it dawned on me, you all may know that probably about 15 years ago or so, that uh, New Life Baptist Church, where Brother Steve Wainwright is the pastor, when Lexington Baptist College closed, he told me, he said, I want to get that started back up, and I'll take it up. And so he asked me, Brother Ed Overby, Brother Thompson, several uh, men who were retired to come and teach in a school. It would be uh, college, Bible college level courses that w would be taught. And uh, there was a good student body that was gathered together. And I felt so honored to be able to go there and teach. And one of the assignments that I was given was to teach systematic theology. And that probably was my favorite subject in college. Systematic theology. And that is where all the different Areas of study are put together, systematically assembled. And so I was so blessed to teach that. And uh, I was able to get my hands on the course that Brother Heisel taught there at that school. And I have it, the systematic theology course that he, he taught, and I took it and improved it a little bit. No, I'm just kidding about that. I did add a whole lot to that. And I just... I didn't have time to do that, but I'd done it anyway. And I told Brother Charlie, I said, Charlie, if you really want to learn, if you want to learn, y'all remember Ruck McIntyre, he took advantage of that. And he said, Preacher, what would I be when I finished that course on systematic theology? I said, you'd be a theologian. And he went around telling everybody that he was going to be a theologian. And he did take that course. He took that course. But anyway, I told Brother Charlie, I said, what I would what I'd do, I don't have time to teach it to you individually, but I would take that uh, course and I would uh, copy you the different uh, categories. You take it and you study it, then we'll meet together and I'll give you a test. No, I, I'll ask him some questions and everything. He has excitedly agreed to do that. And you know, I'd do that for anybody who wanted to do that. And I would make you copies of the different uh, categories of that study. And then we'd have a big meeting and we'd see if you learn what you're supposed to learn. And uh, I was really excited about Charlie wanting to learn like that. that was, that's a noble thing. Charlie, God will bless you. He will bless you for that. And so I wanted to say that. And, and that's part of this teaching ministry of the church. And... You know, I couldn't ever think how I would love to teach that course. I mean, just to teach that course. I mentioned it to somebody about just doing it on Wednesday nights, going through that, through that course. But there were people who liked what we do on Wednesday night, so I decided not to do that. But this teaching ministry is a very important part of the life of the church. And we ought to be thankful and praise God for people who want to learn. I want to know more about my Jesus. I want to know more about my Lord. I want to know more about the great doctrines in the Word of God. And uh, bless your heart if you love that kind of thing. God blesses it. So it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and I like this, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the world or end of the age. 
And as Brother Moore has already led us in that prayer, and he said something that just thrilled my heart when he talked about one day that God's Son is going to come back and He's going to get His bride. Ain't that wonderful? It'll be wonderful, amen? It'll be wonderful there. And so, that's going to end that. And I would just say this, I say it all the time, that's coming, whether you like it or whether you don't. And the thing that we need to do is be ready when it comes. Amen? Just be ready when it comes. And I, I've tried and tried to imagine what it would be like throughout all eternity, all the wonderful things that the Bible promises us. But it'll be great for some. It will not be great for others. As I mentioned this morning, talking about the weeping of the unregenerate, the unsaved, weeping and gnashing of teeth. I cannot imagine uh, turning away the Savior and going through life and coming to the end not ready to meet the Lord. I just that, that is just absolutely awful. There are people who don't believe things that the Bible has to say about that, but the Bible tells us very clearly. So what I want to do is I want to share with you just briefly. Uh, I had... I had decided that it had to be brief because we're going to have a little period of business meeting and going to have a baptizing too. I don't handle devotions very well. I'm a long-winded preacher. That's just the way it is. And, uh, but, and I can't help it. I just like to talk about this kind of stuff. But I just want to give you some things, basic points, and then the title of the message is uh, a, a symbolic uh, ordinance. Baptism as symbolic. Of course, both the ordinances, and I just want to tell you all something. I want to tell you that the first thing about it is that baptism is a divine institution. That means our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ instituted that ordinance. He instituted both of them. And I, I just want to say that that was serious. Is there anybody that would believe that the Lord just done that because He didn't have anything else to do? It's serious. It is a divine institution. And if I can't pay attention to a divine institution, I'm in trouble. That's all i got to say. And anybody that doesn't pay any attention to a divine institution is in trouble. Really. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And so it's divine. And this a passage of Scripture teaches us that the Lord put it together. The Lord did. And it's for a reason. It's a symbolic reason, as I'll try to bear out here in a minute. But it's divine. As a matter of fact, in verse 19, I'll read that verse again. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, in that passage of Scripture, the Godhead is mentioned here. So, you say, well, what does that mean? It means that man didn't come up with this ordinance. Man did not come up with it. There was dippings in the Old Testament. And that's what they're called. Uh, the Jews in the Old Testament had uh, ceremonies where they would dip themselves in water, but it was not baptism. It was not even anything like baptism. They had their own reasons for doing things like that. But this is an uh, an ordinance that was instituted by Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
And I want to tell you tonight, you that are here, you already know this, that makes it important. Amen? Makes it extremely important. Not only does it make baptism important, but it makes the Lord's Supper important too. It is important. And the Lord instituted them, and He instituted them with purpose. Now, secondly, it's a New Testament institution. As I said a while ago, there were things they did in the Old Testament time, but baptism did not exist. Baptism didn't exist until our Lord and Savior instituted it and brought it about. And so He's the one that done that. He did it. And so it is solely and completely a New Testament ordinance. It is a New Testament church ordinance. It must never be administered apart from a New Testament church. Sometimes it is. Uh, I've read stories about big revival efforts that were uh, uh, taking place in large cities. I was reading not long ago about one in California where an evangelist come in and put up a tent and he preached for a couple of weeks and then the converts, he took them out in the ocean and baptized them and left and went back home. That's unscriptural baptism. We're firm believers in scriptural baptism. I am anyway. And I know that you all are too. You say, well, what do you mean by scriptural baptism? Well, scriptural baptism is simple. It is baptism that has been carried out in a scriptural way and uh, for scriptural purpose and by a scriptural mode and by a scriptural administrator and uh, administered to a scriptural candidate. So what does all that mean? It means scriptural baptism is this. Number one, you've got to have a scriptural candidate for baptism. It's somebody that is saved. And I mean already saved. Not waiting until baptism in order to be saved. It's somebody that is already saved. And I wish I'd done this because I've got some scripture in the New Testament. I'll do it sometime. And uh, that, that talks about people who had come to a saving knowledge of the Lord before they were baptized. That's actually... In the Scripture. It's in the Scripture. And uh, I know there are those who believe that a person is not saved. Uh, there are people who believe that if someone makes a profession of faith and they drop dead before they are baptized, they go to hell. I'm telling you that's believed. And it's not true. It's not true. So there, there's got to be a scriptural candidate. Somebody that is saved. I told Brother Rick and Sister Jean uh, this morning, I said, there's a couple of questions I'll ask you, and all you got to do is nod your head. And I told them, I'll ask you if you know for sure that you're saved. And I'll ask you, do you uh, believe that this ordinance means I'm making a commitment to walk in newness of life? That's what the Bible says. And I said, and all you got to do is nod your head. And I said, if you can't do it, I'm not baptizing you. Because that is your profession of faith. And so, uh, I said that to him. So it's a saved person. There's got to be a scriptural candidate. Also, there's got to be a scriptural administrator. In a moment, we'll have a short business meeting. One of the things we'll vote on is we'll vote to baptize Rick and Jean. You say, well, why do you do that? 
We do that because they will be baptized on the authority of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. And that's the only authority there is for baptism. Anyone who is not baptized or dipped in the water, you know, there are lots of people are dipped in the water, but they might not be a lot of people that's baptized, not scripturally. So it has to be an administrator. I don't baptize people because I want to baptize them, even though I'd baptize every human being walking. I'd capture them and drag them, drag them to the baptistry. And ba- I love to baptize people, but uh, I'm thankful that I was baptized about 60 years ago on the authority on the authority of the Peyton Town Baptist Church over in Madison County, and so it's church authority that makes scriptural baptism, and if a a genuine New Testament church hasn't baptized someone. They're not scripturally baptized. And so it has to be a scriptural administrator. It has to be by a scriptural design. What is it for? As I said a while ago, it is a symbolic ordinance. It, it's a symbolic ordinance and a symbol is something that represents something else. That's what a symbol is. And baptism is symbolic. And we know what it represents. The Bible is very clear about that. It teaches us that in Romans chapter 6. We're buried with Him in baptism. And Gene told me I needed to keep Rick under a good long time. He needs to be buried real good. (laughs) Now, she didn't say it exactly like that, but she did say something close something close to that. And I told her, I said, well, how about I hold him till the bubbles come up? And she said, that's good and a little more. But anyway, there has to be a a scriptural design. And what Gene and uh, Rick will do, they will be, I call it sometimes picture preaching. You know, they'll make a profession and never open their mouth, unless they want to, of course. But it's a profession of faith. And by that profession... They are buried with Him, associated with Him. We know literally we're not buried with Him. We're buried with Him by association is what that means. That's why it's a symbolic ordinance. And then we're buried and we rise up. That pictures the resurrection uh, of the individual that is saved. Wonderful. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture and so that's the design and then there has to be a scriptural mode for baptism what is it it is by immersion now somebody suggested when i was talking about there being ankle deep water in the baptistry and i actually thought about wonder if i can get rick down in there and somebody said well you could sprinkle him well we don't sprinkle people (laughs) That's not the scriptural mode of baptism. Well, I run across a story not long ago. Uh, I know I give the Catholics a hard time and they ought to have one, to tell you the truth. They're responsible for more false doctrine than any group that has ever existed. They're idol worshipers. They worship Mary. Did you know Mary is a... a Continual virgin. Even when she went to heaven, she was a virgin. We know better than that. That's not true. She had kids. But they teach that. A perpetual virgin. Think about that. 
And they'll teach their people you can pray to her. She is a co-redeemer. No, she's not. That's awful. Amen. It is awful. It's terrible. And you know, I'm serious when I say this. People need to wake up to stuff like that. Need to wake up to it. That is awful. That's terrible. And that's not all. Talking about the ordinances... They teach when you take the Lord's Supper that you are that by the words of a priest, those elements become the body literally and the blood literally of Jesus Christ. It's called transubstantiation. That's the Mass. Isn't that awful? It's awful. But people just suck it up and believe it. And, the, and, and I used to wonder why they believe stuff like that so uh, faithfully. Well, if you thought that the church had your salvation. That your salvation was in the church. You wouldn't read the Bible. You'd just, whatever the church says, that's what you'd believe. And you'd go along with it. And I've actually been told that. I had a lady laugh at me one time that was a staunch Catholic and said, I said, just read that in the Bible. And I gave her a passage to read. And she said, ha, preacher, you know Catholics don't read the Bible. I said, well, yes, I do. <laughs> I know that. If they ever did, they'd stop. They'd they'd start believing the right stuff. And so, a scriptural mode, and it is by immersion, because it pictures, and that's why it's a symbolic, uh, symbolic ordinance. And I'll mention this. Webster says that a figure is a person, thing, or action that represents something else. There never has been a figure ever removed anybody's sin. It won't do it. It won't do it. People, there are people who actually believe. I've had so many people to tell me over the years, preacher, I want to be baptized in the creek. And that's fine. I've baptized many a person in the creek, in a pond, in a lake, in a swimming pool. I've baptized them everywhere I could get enough water together to get them under it. And boy, there's been some that shoe. It was only by the Lord's grace that I did. One time there was this lady and she was a really, really, really big lady. And there was a place where we baptized in Lubbock Creek under a bridge. And I never thought about it, but it was during dog days. We went down there and everybody assembled and started singing on the bridge and everything for the baptizing, and I looked down there. That hole of water was just about dried up. And she probably weighed 350 pounds. I said, Oh Lord God, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to help me. I've got to get her under the water. Well, I don't know how I've done it. Yes, I do know how I've done it. But I got her baptized and picked her up. That's the problem is picking them up. You know, the larger a person is, the easier they are to baptize. And the reason is, you just got to get them under. They'll pop back out if you can get them under. (laughs) But anyway, I got her baptized by the grace of God. There never was a figure that ever uh, give people grace. They, they call that sacraments. Baptism's not a sacrament. 
uh, it's a picture and a wonderful picture it is. And I thank God for it. And Rick and Jean, I'm so sorry. I was looking so forward to baptizing you today. But next week, I will baptize you. Praise the Lord for that. Father, we thank you and praise you for the ordinances. We thank you that you gave them to us. No man ever come up with them. No man ever could. They're yours. They're by design, by divine institution. And they mean something. And thank you for what they mean. Thank you for the picture of salvation. And thank you for the fact that Gene and Rick are going to be able to make a profession not even opening their mouth if they don't want to. They will picture it before everybody. And I thank you for that. Now bless us as we close the service. Bless our business meeting time. And we'll give you the glory for what you do for us. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. All right, would you stand with me now?